0: They've worked in and around the wrestling business, they've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are
1: Primetime Pause. and Chad, the two men!
2: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by our brand new sponsor, Kickapoo Joy Juice. Don't call it a comeback. Kickapoo Joy Juice is back and it's available on Amazon.com or by going to their website drinkkickapoo.com and with that being said my name is Chad and as always I'm joined by my tag team partner Mr. Primetime John Paz and John today what a huge show we have on tap for you first we have WWE superstar and the lunatic fringe himself Dean Ambrose joining us to promote I Play America, Saturday, September 5th in Freehold, New Jersey at the iPlay America Event Center. You can visit iPlayAmerica.com for more information on that fantastic event. The tickets are limited and they are going fast, so please get to iPlay America as quickly as possible to reserve your spot to meet Dean Ambrose, a former United States Champion, a former Intercontinental Champion, and a former Tag Team Champion as a member of the Shield, but he's not the only person on with us today, and that is the man behind the training of Dean Ambrose, and that is the great Les Thatcher. Les will be joining us for a part one of a two-part interview that we had that covers his phenomenal career that just spans over 50 years. What a visionary, giving great insight into so many aspects of the wrestling business. And today... We start with WWE and NXT and getting into it with less, and also the training of Dean Ambrose. Now, before we jump into Dean Ambrose, I want to remind you it's Saturday, September 5th at I Play America, where you can meet Dean Ambrose. iPlayAmerica.com for more information. And, John. Dean Ambrose, obviously a fast-rising star in the WWE since his debut as part of The Shield, and even his time in FCW and NXT, was such a standout superstar. And I guess, you know, one thing that he's had since the beginning was comparisons to the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. But what would you say so far about Dean Ambrose's run in the WWE? Is there anything that really stands out to you about him or about the run in general? Because quite frankly, he has accomplished so much in so little time and really, there's only one place to go and that's up.
3: Well, Chad, yes. The lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose. It was awesome to be able to get him on the show. Great, great guest. Such a great, well-spoken guy. And uh, you know what? My thoughts on his WWE run so far is that obviously he's super uber popular. He's in the main event. Uh, he's just been one of the top guys for a very long time, Since you know, basically since his debut. He's been one of the top guys in the company, which is just unbelievable to say, especially in this day and age. I mean, the, lo- the longevity so far that he's been able to have on top has just been phenomenal. And what's great about him is that he reminds me, and we talked to him in the interview about it, of the great one himself, the hot rod, rowdy, rowdy Piper. He just reminds me of him so much—the unpredictability, the crazy eyes, that the you don't know what he's going to do next. The brawling style—you just don't know—and he reminds you so much of Piper. It's great, but he also a little bit reminds me of of that with that unpredictable nature of like a Terry Funk or almost of a Brian Pillman. He's a he's a loose cannon. You don't never know what he's going to do next. But he's been so great in his run so far in the WWE, and and it's just so great to be able to get him on. And What's, the best part about him is that he does remind you of those legends you grew up loving, such as Piper and Funk and even the great Brian Pillman.
2: Now, we cover the Seth Rollins feud, but obviously he's had some pretty intense matches with Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family since going out on his own. But what, do you, what would you say your favorite Dean Ambrose feud has been thus far here for him in the WWE? And I guess you can say in terms of his WWE uh, tenure, you can lump in NXT and FCW. But whether it's with The Shield or on his own, he's had some pretty intense feuds. But I want to focus on the solo feuds here. And what would you say your favorite one is so far?
3: Yeah, usually the staple of of being a great wrestler and having a great career is having great feuds, and Dean Ambrose has had uh, no shortage of great feuds in his run in the WWE so far. His Bray Wyatt feud, which actually is technically still going on now, because with him and Roman Reigns, feuding with the Wyatt family... But his one-on-one feud with Bray Wyatt was great, because like you said, I mean, they had a lot of great physical matches, and it was almost a throwback a little bit where they were having a lot of great, crazy brawls, and you kind of didn't know where it was headed. It was unpredictable, so that was a great feud, and obviously the Seth Rollins feud, which we do talk about in the interview, was a great, great feud, and I love his answer about it, because it is so true um, with Rollins. They just have great chemistry, it's just you can't. You, you know, you can't uh, put your finger on it, but it's just something about it. He even says like a flayer steamboat where they don't even talk to each other. They can just go through the match and just have great, great matches together. So their chemistry is just off the charts. And uh, if I had to pick a favorite feud for Dean Ambrose, no doubt about it, 100% would have to be the Seth Rollins feud. I mean, those guys, any match that they've had, whether it be the main event on Raw, the main event SummerSlam or, or, or wherever, those guys have had nothing but great Great matches, and I love the feud—the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, I can go on forever. Their matches in FCW—these I mean, guys are just uh, born to wrestle each other, and it's a great feud, and their chemistry is unbelievable.
2: But what do you see next for Dean Ambrose? Are we going to see another heel turn in his future? Is that what's best suited for him? Or is it maybe his eccentric character as a babyface? You know, he stated uh, in the interview that there are similarities, yes, between him and some of these legends. And you did a great job in bringing up those legends. Um, But he doesn't want to stay pigeonholed, you know, into one role or or to be uh, classified as, you know, this guy like him or this guy like that. But uh, do you think he should remain a babyface? Or what do you see? in his future and in terms of his growth for his character in WWE?
3: You know, what's next for Dean Ambrose is kind of like him himself. It's unpredictable. It's hard to uh, put a finger on where he will end up next or what he will do next. And he might be almost too popular to turn heel because I, I don't know if the crowd would uh, accept him almost as a heel uh, he might have to remain babyface especially like I said he reminds everyone of, of, of Roddy Piper and everyone loves Piper so it might be hard for him to turn heel but if I were to uh, book him maybe I would turn him heel just because I think he um he would be a cool heel I mean uh, Obviously, Piper was a great heel. Terry Funk was a great heel. Brian Pillman, like we mentioned, uh, all guys similar to him, that unpredictable, crazy nature, and I think maybe with a heel, uh, he'll go a little bit farther and be a little bit different, and you know, he can up the crazy level even further, and um, whatever it is, you just know whether he remains a face or he turns heel, you know it's just going to be fun with him, and you know it's going to be unpredictable, and you know you're not going to be able to see where the storylines are actually headed. Yes, now for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Rasslin' and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. We have a bunch of great clips from previous guests, such as Jim Ross, Jesse Ventura, the late great Dusty Rhodes, WWE Superstar Kane, and so many more. So please subscribe to us on YouTube and check us out there. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes check us out we have a bunch of great episodes featuring all the guys i just mentioned plus diamond Dallas page nikita koloff and so so many others just check us out there please If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. So check us out on iTunes. And also check us out on our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And also every Monday night at 6 p.m. You can check us out on the I-95 Sports Network. So please check us out there. And don't forget, I Play America, September 5th. Dean Ambrose is in the house signing autographs like big time meet and greet. so you don't want to miss that it's going to be great please I play America is in Freehold New Jersey and you can go to ticketfly.com to get your tickets but you got to do them soon because folks they are running out so without any further ado please enjoy a great great episode we did with the unpredictable one A man that many, many people say reminds them of the next Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's a former United States champion. He is the lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose. Please enjoy.
2: Yes, please enjoy Dean Ambrose indeed. And hate to start it off on a somber note, but we had to ask him first about Rowdy Roddy Piper. and Not only his memories of him, but some of the similarities in terms of their character. So... Let's see. Dean Ambrose, what do you have to say about your memories of Rowdy, Rowdy Piper? Oh, man, he's, uh, I mean, everybody, everybody loves Rowdy Piper,
4: you know, and, uh, yeah, that, was... that was a very, you know, that was just, there's so many of these shocking, unfortunate, out of nowhere, uh, you know, uh, passings, uh, you know, these people, and it's so weird because these are all the guys that, you know, my generation, you know, grew up watching, you know I to see all the, you know, it's always, it's fair, you know, it sucks, uh, but, you know, he... He... everybody loves, uh, yeah, everybody loves the high rod, you know. My favorite Roddy Piper memory is, and uh, you know, I have a very specific one cause it I actually just recently, not too long ago, watched it. I was describing it to somebody. It was a Starcade '96. Yeah, uh, I think it was, it was a, Starcade '96 where he fought Hogan for the championship, when he came back to WCW, and it was I mean, terrible, sloppy you know, match between two old guys, you know what I mean? But, uh, it was, uh, but awesome because it was such a spectacle. But the, the really cool part of it is, uh, um, first entrance is one of the best entrances you'll ever see. And it's so simple, but if you like really watch it and you're like into the story and you're watching this, what he's doing, he's like, it's like this death march to the ring. And like, he has this, <laughs> this ongoing, this, decades-long blood feud with Hogan. And he knows he's going to get beat up by the NWO, and he's ganged up on 20-1 to through the last couple weeks. You know what I mean? It's a one-man war against the NWO. And and it's like he just comes down the aisle as simple as can be. No... No flashy entrance or pyrotechnics or anything like that. You know, we always have, you know, in WWE, everybody's got a special entrance, you know what I mean? Or everybody's in NXT working on that new special entrance. They got their old dance moves that they do, and they get in the ring the same way every time, and it's like, you know, it's a shtick. And this guy is like, it's refreshing to go back and watch that because he just comes out and just stares at the ring and it burns a hole with his eyes into the ring and just walks down the aisle as simple as humanly possible, but his eyes are just, like, cold and dead, and you just, like, it just tells so much of the story. He's just, like, you know he's willing to go in there, die in the middle of that ring. And, that you know, like, he's just going to fight to the death. And if he walks away with the championship, cool, but, like, he's prepared for this to be the end. Like, you know, like, it's, it's very intense, you know. It's in I mean, most people who watch it wouldn't put that much thought into it, but I'm telling you, go down the Ruby really Network, watch the K96, and just watch Piper's entrance. and it's just such a cool thing.
0: I totally, totally agree, and I have very fond memories of that match, and that's you with Hogan, but <laughs> you are so much like Roddy Piper, and, and you know, you're very unpredictable. You have those same crazy eyes like Piper. What is it with your style that makes you almost like an unpredictable guy like Piper or Terry Funk or, or like a Brian Pillman? Um, yeah, well, me, I don't, I don't, I like to take things, you know,
4: moment to moment. You know, I, uh, I don't go up, like, like, me, I, I don't try to, to, to be anything that I'm not because that would be, you know, inauthentic and, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, I was blessed with, you know, certain talents and certain abilities and, you know, in others I wasn't, I just, I do the things that I do and, uh, you do well and I don't try to pretend to be anything I'm not. And I like to, uh, I like to if I'm in a like, if I'm in a bad mood, you're gonna get like Dean Ambrose in a bad mood that day. If I'm in a good mood, you're gonna get like a happy, fun Dean Ambrose that day. You know what I mean? I'll literally take whatever, like I, whatever I'm feeling. That's that's what you see in the ring. You know I mean, I, I just I like to just be myself, and uh, I just go out there. And I kind of just do whatever I want. You know what I mean? I'm kind of left to my own devices, and can kind of uh, it, it's cool because uh, you know I think. You know, not just, like, uh, the fan, but like think there just slowly realized that, like, another Dean Ambrose isn't going to walk through the door anytime soon. So I've kind of, like, I kind of occupy my own space. And I kind of uh, exist in my own little... I kind of have been able to carve out my own little spot where I can just do whatever I want. And, you know, I like to... Uh, like, Because, uh, to me, like, you know, fans don't want to tune in and see you do the same thing every single week. And, you know, they, when, when they hear your music, they want to... You know, for me, I like to think that they think any wild thing might happen, and you have no idea what you're going to get when it comes to the pit. Because sometimes I don't know. You know, I make as much up as I possibly can as I go along. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I, I really don't know, you know, because I really can't answer that because I try not to put any thought into what I'm doing. Go by it, steal, you know, whatever whatever happens, happens, you know. Definitely. And I, think definitely those, yeah, man, I think a lot of those guys probably have, you know, a lot of those same uh, –
0: Probably a lot of, the, probably probably a lot of the same way. Yes, and you definitely stand out, Mister Ambrose. Uh, obviously, one of, one guy that really sticks out is, is you know, along with yourself, as a breakout member of the Shield, was Seth Rollins. What is it about you two? You guys go back to FCW. You guys have so much chemistry together. What is it about you and Seth Rollins? You guys are always able to have the best match on the card and just have amazing chemistry. So you know, our, our style
4: is just uh, just meshed well uh, and uh, and. Um, yeah, for, the first time we ever wrestled was in FCW. We never crossed paths before. I think that was, that was maybe one of the first times where people started uh, kind of paying attention to what was going on in, in developmental just from a wrestling standpoint because uh, um, I had a certain, uh, certain following and a certain name on the Indians. He had a in a, in a different kind of brand with a different crowd on the Indians and it was in, like Ring of Honor and stuff. I was like CW and stuff and it was kind of a... Uh, a clash of worlds, it was like a clash of new worlds happening in developmental, you know, that was the first time we ever met. But the first time we ever wrestled, it was just like, that clicked immediately. You know, certain styled stuff that he did was, uh, complemented the stuff that I did, you know, I got, I did a lot of like, you know, stretching and, you know, physical stuff and, you know, holds, and, you know, it's, it's a certain like physical style, you know, I was doing it at the time and kind of meshed well with his kind of, uh, flashy style and they just, they, they, just it was just like it was like peanut butter and jelly man, just like mixed perfectly together the stuff we we're doing and that uh, we we're able to uh, you know and he's uh, such a smart guy that I was able to um you know visualize and come up with cool things and you know I and uh then you had that was the way I just kinda like go off the cuff a lot of times. So it's just like we're just able to just come up with all these different like like me and him have stuff where like we can go, like we can go out there for thirty minutes and literally not talk at all beforehand. You know what I mean? Like we just we have like and, like and we we just know what we're gonna we just we have like a thirty minute We just have like a million long sequences and stuff. We just know we just know what we're gonna do. You know, it's just, like it just meshes well. And then then WWE, you know, when he like uh, our styles, you know, still mesh, you know, and it's just like, it, it's hard to explain, you know, I mean, sometimes you just have that chemistry with people, you know, and, uh you know, but this, this thing with him, though, it's like, it's so good, that anybody can have a good match with Seth Rollins, you know, and it's, uh, and it, it's always like, we kind of bring out the best in each other from, like, a uh, a healthy competitive standpoint, I mean, all some of the greatest uh, opponents always have that together, you know, what I mean, Rick, like, from Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, uh you know, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, and Berngagna, you know, I mean, Black will describe, you know, like describes that kind of competitive uh uh chemistry he had with Berngagna where you know you're kinda of pushing each other and you know, one guy does one thing and you want to do that thing a little bit better, so you know you it's that uh keep each other on your toes kind of thing. And uh you know, I think all the uh all the core group of guys right now from myself, with Rollins, Roman Rain, the Cesaro and Wyatt, so you know, I think we all have that kind of uh, competitive Chemistry with each other. where we all want to kind of like push each other because we're kind of the guys carrying uh, carrying the load right now. As far as like you know, three and nights a year, you know, we're the guys in the man event every every night. You know, so uh, we're counted on to you know tear the house down and wrestle you know fifteen twenty minutes on Raw every single week. You know, so uh, that uh, you know, that's a healthy thing across the board.
2: This is the first of a two-parter with the great Les Thatcher. Les has done so much in the wrestling business and we will cover a little bit in this part one here or part two, whichever you want to call it because it will be a, a two-parter broken up so however you get your podcast, however you get the two-man power trip of wrestling, definitely listen to this part where he covers training Dean Ambrose and his training school, what he thinks of the current WWE and NXT products. but John, a guy like Les Thatcher is definitely going to be hard to find in a few years. There's not too many of him left in the wrestling business. Let's focus on how Les has helped train Dean Ambrose and other talent in the wrestling business. But what's a guy like Les Thatcher going to be in a few years? Is he going to be a a treasure that we have to learn everything we can while we can? Because quite frankly, how many other guys in a few years are going to be able to give you the experience of a Les Thatcher? But Primetime, what are your thoughts on what he's done in terms of the guys he's trained over the last couple of years? I know you've got a couple of personal favorites in his little group and we do hear that in our interview but tell us your thoughts on Les Thatcher
3: can't get more perfect than that Les Thatcher so it's just awesome to be able to not only have Dean from the BB but also have Les Thatcher who actually trained Dean Ambrose and uh, it was just a perfect combination perfect storm if you will to put these guys back to back and as everyone should know, that he trained Dean and had a lot of uh, impact on Dean's life and his uh, professional career and getting him into the WWE. So it just works out perfectly with the legendary Les Thatcher, the man has, that has done it all in this business. And now, you know, he's getting uh, some great accolades for being a great trainer and obviously love Helping him. And I, I love Dan what Ambrose he's done for the business. He's just everything about him is just. just a plus and he just loves the wrestling business so much and he's done nothing but help it has never hurt the business so Les Thatcher I love him and the favorite my favorite aspect of him I would have to say would be his him as a trainer a teacher and a coach because he's trained a lot of great guys not only Dean Ambrose but Nigel McGuinness I mean the list goes on he's treated so so many so many great guys uh, almost too many to name to be honest so he's a renaissance man and I just love the fact that he's such a good trainer such a good teacher and such a good coach and Less is great, and, and, and there's a great, great episode. He talks about WWE, he talks about NXT, and of course he talks about the Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose.
2: i got to just kind of keep it relevant to today. And What is your opinion on the state of the pro wrestling business in 2015? Because not only have we seen basically the WWE be the main national entity, but now we're also seeing them be the main training entity that's getting pushed out there. And we know, you know a lot about training. So what is your opinion of, of the state of the pro wrestling business? Wow. Uh,
1: it's honestly, um, it it needs a change. I think, uh, across the board. And this is not, it's not necessarily about WWE. It's about the Indies. It's about ring of honor. It's about, uh, TNA. It's virtually uh, the industry. And I, I think the biggest problem is, is everybody has taken a shortcut. And, uh, everything that there is to do in this business has been done to death and there's nothing fresh and and honestly uh when i say this i'll probably you know you you'll probably get a lot of negative feedback from it but uh what we need to do is turn the clock back a little bit and i don't mean back to 1960 or anything of that sort but uh i think we need to put wrestling actually back it's on the marquee. We might be smart enough to put it back within the industry. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, uh, it the business, the wrestling business, is the wrestling business. I don't care. Call it sports entertainment. Call you call it basketball. You call it whatever you want. But if you put it into a uh, wrestling ring, eighteen by eighteen or twenty by twenty, then the foundation fundamentals should be about the same. And I, I think that the The wrestler's job today should be to suspend uh, the viewer's disbelief and to give them some drama and to draw them emotionally into the ring with you. And I don't think that's the case. I mean, uh, I would guess that uh, there might be a dance coming out next week called the super kick because everybody does it and does it to death and does it 50 times, and so it's meaningless. And and when I say that, I, I use that as an example, but it's pretty much any move and every move. And it shouldn't be... How often you do it, it should be uh, when you do it, do it the right time, and elicit the the proper uh, you know
2: uh, reaction from it. Do you think it's more based off of the television running wrestling rather than wrestling running wrestling? Because with the major networks you know involved in NBC, Universal, USA Network, Sci-Fi, all those great entities under one roof are they really controlling the kind of product we see and the people that are making decisions well i
1: am sure i'm sure they have a lot to do with it but you know here's the deal and i've never been involved i have been involved with with area stations with network affiliates uh you know you mentioned my background in, in producing television and hosting television um but i've never been involved at, you know at at a huge level with the network but the one thing that was always uh easy enough to do, and not necessarily always got the results you were looking for, but with the uh, network affiliates that I mentioned, um, it was never a problem to sit down with your programming director or, uh, you know, whoever was running the show at that particular uh, station and saying, okay, you know, we want to do, do well by your numbers. We want you to be able to sell advertising, and we also need to sell our product. And I think today it's that because it is network and maybe that's more fascinating or more frustrating, I'm not sure what the, the actual word should be, uh, that they're more concerned with the network than they are themselves. And I think the other thing is um, I don't believe that if you were a, a network president or you know uh, head of the network programming or whatever your title might be, that you're going to allow me to come in and dictate to you how you program the network. And my point being that I don't think you are qualified to tell me how to program a wrestling show. Now, speaking of networks, the WWE has their own network. What are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I I, I, I see good. You know, I I don't see a problem with it. Actually, uh, you know, I I don't know. I think I would utilize it uh, maybe a little different than they do. Uh, one of the things that uh, that we developed back in the, in the mid-'70s in, uh, in southeastern television was a thing called personality profile, and it was a human interest piece. It was a five-minute uh, pre-taped sit-down, which at the time everyone told us it wouldn't work, but it did. Uh, and uh, I think uh, here again today, everyone is so concerned with uh, characterizations and that sort of thing, uh, I would take, you know, a good portion of that network. Everyone talks about a boring three hours on Monday night, um, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't hesitate to change that a little bit too. But to do human interest pieces on your on your wrestlers, on your stars, what what is a unique hobby that someone has? What is their collegiate background? What, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? You know, talk about their home life, their hobbies, uh, how they train, how they prepare for their business. Um, give the fans the viewers uh, an opportunity to know more than one side of the guy they're watching on monday nights or on friday nights or whatever what you know whenever you know if they whenever they're watching whatever they're watching and i think that's that's something that i would do uh is do more human interest pieces because i think uh that's lacking honestly
0: you know it's funny probably the best raw i've seen in years was basically done on accident because it got canceled due to the big weather uh, storm we had. I know. Up here <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're East. right. And it was almost like what you were saying about Southeastern Championship Wrestling. It was almost like human interest pieces. They had a,
1: a little interview with Dana O'Brien.
0: Did you happen to see that episode?
1: I, I did. And I also, you know, I, 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 as you know, I do a couple of weekly programs on a couple of different websites. and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, But I also surf around, you know, I know writers and and, uh, whatever you, you know, the guys that do several different websites. So I surf around and look and listen and pay attention a little bit. Uh, And the thing was that, you know, everybody was, wow, that was really cool. Man, that was great. I I enjoyed that, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, I think instead of doing the audience participation is you pick the type of match or you pick who this guy wrestles uh is maybe if you're listening to the audience, maybe that's what you should be listening for, is, you know, their reaction to things like that. Yep, definitely. Now, something
0: that the fans have been definitely reacting to in a positive way has been NXT.
1: Are you a fan, or have you uh, had a chance to watch NXT at all? You, you know. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I hate watching things on my small screen, and I haven't set my big, screen, uh, my big TV up to, to take things off, off the Internet yet. Um, so I, I have, I've seen it in bits and pieces, but I, I, you know, I haven't been a, a steady viewer. But I know from other people in the industry, the reaction I get from friends like uh, Lance Storm, for example, is it's, rest, it's, it's a wrestling show. And everyone seems to think it's a better show than Raw or SmackDown or Impact or whatever. And, uh, again, maybe somebody should pay attention to that. Um, it, it, it can't hurt, uh, you know, to uh, give the people something that actually, well, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think part of the problem with the, with the product is people don't get emotional. You can't get emotionally involved with bad comedy, or at least I can't. Um, I don't know what you guys watch or where you watch. Uh, a sh- one show that I was really into that's off the air now is Sons of Anarchy on FX, and another show which has got one more episode has been on for six years is Justified. But those are great stories. I mean, they've got uh, you know uh, deep characterizations. Uh, the 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 good guys are vulnerable. Uh, it, it's and they hook you to where you want to come back. You know. And I think mm-hmm. that's lacking, uh, again, across the board in our industry.
0: You know what? That, that, that is so true about about good storytelling and stuff. And I feel like NXT is almost there, because I watch it on a very consistent basis, where it is a good show and it's almost there. But it is, in the back of my mind, keep thinking this is just a feeder league, and when these guys get up to the main roster, things might change with them. What are your thoughts on the Performance Center and,
1: and NXT almost being the Cedar League for you know the monster that is WWE? Well, you know, I, I wish I had a... you know, I uh when I had HWA we had a, a six thousand square foot facility, we had a weight room, we had you know, we had a lot of good things. Uh, but nothing obviously of the the size or, or the capacity that uh you know, the performance center has. I think it's great, but my stance has been before I got involved as a trainer for WCW or WWE uh, and afterwards and and until the day they dropped the box in the ground for me is that you need more than one. You need uh, probably four facilities, maybe not that elaborate, set up around the country. Uh, You need various trainers. You need to keep – well, let me say this. When, When I was with the company, uh, I had t- two to five, uh, six sometimes uh, guys from the main roster that weren't being utilized, and uh, they were there. To, they trained with the developmental guys. They uh, worked our shows, and it gave you know it gave the guys a an opportunity to work at a higher level. Actually. Um, and the other thing is that you can't that the is offered you, and you can't get in one place with one set of one group of people. Is uh, you can, you change areas, and you're going to find that the fans buy different things. And I think that the guys learning the cra- our craft should be aware of that, and should be able to you know adjust to that. And if you had four developmental centers. Uh, and you could move your athletes from you know from place to place. I mean, if, you're, if some of these guys are kept on on a developmental roster for two three years, they could you know they could be moved around. They could work with different trainers. Uh, that's another thing. I, I, I don't you know it, it's if you take professional football, baseball, basketball, anything like that, you'll find that a particular athlete. Um, you know, that a lot is expected of when he comes, say, out of college, uh, that maybe the team that's drafted him or or signed him, Uh, for some reason, maybe there's a chemistry problem with he and the the manager or the coach or who, you know, whatever. And so then this guy is there for a couple years, but he, you know, then gets his uh, release, he goes to another team, and he flourishes. Not because the coach first coach was bad, it's just that, their chemistry didn't, you know, didn't gel. And and that's part of it I think too, you know. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of pluses for having more than one place like that and, and I don't believe in turning out a assembly line product. Uh, I think, you know, uh as you mentioned earlier, I've been in the business over 50 years. 55. will be my first match of 55 years ago this coming July the 4th. And um You know, the fact that uh, we were allowed to develop, I mean, not that people didn't make suggestions or not that we didn't get help, but we were allowed to grow and develop as performers. And I don't believe that you, me, or anybody else can write a promo for someone. We can give them guidelines. We can give them bullet points. We can tell, give them parameters and within which you know we want them to work, but to just turn around and say, H- "Here's your promo," I think is uh, dumb. <laughs> I'd say it nicer, <laughs> but I don't know how to say it nicer. It just <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Um, I said to somebody the other day, when you know to go back a few years, and uh, maybe some of the people listening won't understand uh, the, the, the example, but uh, Wahoo McDaniel, f- uh, former linebacker uh, with uh, the Dolphins and the Jets. Uh, when Wahoo stepped to the microphone and said, I'm going to kick somebody's ass on Friday night, you you could go to the bank with it because he was legitimately a tough guy. A, and B, it was his promo. It was him talking. And when I hear Roman Reigns, who I see so much potential in, I I truly do, uh, saying suffering succotash, I'm not sure the last time or the first time I ever heard a guy, a tough guy, use that particular phrase so true that
0: that was absolutely terrible and didn't fit his character
1: and he seemed uncomfortable even saying that well that's seeing that there's the other point too when it sounds like you're reading something or it's you know uh, and you guys have heard this you've heard it on other people's shows you've heard you've probably had people talk about it on your show but you know uh going back to, to my era flair was flair dusty was dusty you know um uh, Those guys were themselves good, bad, or indifferent. They came across as legitimate. And if, if you know, let's let's parallel everything with good movies. Um, You guys, I'm sure this is an example I use when I do seminars and stuff. I'm sure you guys have seen uh, Scarface. Oh yeah. And Al Pacino is an amazing actor, Uh, but somewhere in that 90 minutes or however long that movie lasted. You stop thinking of him as Al Pacino, and he became Scarface. And so, simply so because he became the character, and that's, uh, you can tell me you want me to be a plumber, but if I'm more comfortable being an insurance man, then I can i can go through the motions of being a plumber for you, but I'm not going to sell a lot of plumbing equipment because I'm not going to come across as real or legitimate.
0: That's so well said. And it kind of goes back to the way the business is now, and and, and the training that they give these guys, and what they foresee these guys. But you, being one of the most legendary trainers of all time, have now have elite pro wrestling training out of Ohio. Can
1: you tell us a little right. bit about that. Well, actually, um, the co-founders of that was back, this was back in 2003. It was Harley Race and Ricky Steamboat and myself. And uh, wow, we started doing seminars around the country. In fact, there is a, it's out of print now, but there is a training manual out. The Professional Wrestlers Workout and Instructional Guide by Sports Publishing, LLC, which can still be found on Amazon, I'm told, um, that uh, a training manual that the three of us did along. Jim Ross did the uh, uh, forward, and uh, Alex Marvez uh, actually did the editing and contributed a lot to it as well. But uh, that's how that whole thing got started. Then, of course, Ricky uh, went to work uh, for the Fed, and Harley had a camp. I mean, had a school and still does, but then his health got to be a problem with him doing a lot of traveling. So it's basically uh, myself now. Now, up until just the first of this year, I had not been doing anything around the Cincinnati area at all. Strictly had been uh, going out and doing weekend training camps uh, for independent promotions, which I still do, by the way, but now I'm I'm doing three sessions a week uh, in Hamilton, Ohio, which is virtually it's Greater Cincinnati, uh, with uh, Christian Wrestling Association International at their warehouse. We train on Tuesday and Thursday evenings and Saturday mornings, we're building a roster. And um, but I'm still available to go out and, and do these uh, weekend camps. I uh, the Monster Factory, uh, Deep Southern Championship Wrestling uh Antonio Thomas's uh training facility up in New England um are are some that you know are, are yearly schedules for me and uh so uh you can go to the epwt.com website and there are uh, testimonials on there from people I've worked with and so forth and so on but that's that's my passion uh it, to me it's giving back but uh, you know uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to uh present this business and honestly there are a lot of pseudo trainers out there now a lot of guys who would tell you they can teach you but you can't teach what you yourself don't know. Hmm. I watch a lot, I watch a lot of doctor shows but I don't think you're going to let me perform surgery on you. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh that's sadly enough is is one of the shortcomings of the independence as well I think. Is that there's you know guys out there? Well, I've got some kids in my in, in my taking my sessions now that um, were trained, and if you could see me, I'd have my fingers up in parentheses. Um, but they but they're learning all over again because I'm trying to teach them the art of professional wrestling, which is not about laying everything out in the dressing room. There's a lot of in, improvisation to. The actual art of our business, and uh, you know, there's a lot of basic fundamentals that are just jumped over. Uh, it's okay. I'm gonna teach you to wound salt, Teach you to do this, but facial expressions and body language are are paramount uh, to the you know to to reaching out and emotionally pulling a viewer into that ring with you. So that's you know, those are some of the things that I. Key on more, you know, than than the standard level here. Dive through the ropes, you, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Well, you know, Dean's he actually started with uh, a kid that I that I broke in. Uh, I just took the rough edges off. I you know I won't take credit for the whole shooting match, but yeah, I was just watching uh, the the Shield special. I hadn't seen it before. And one of my kids, one of the kids that trains with me now, I brought it in, and I said, "Can I take that home and watch it? Because I hadn't seen it." And, and of course, I, you know, I've got some. Uh, I say a few words on there. Yeah, Dean, Dean's an amazing talent. Uh, he really is, and uh, I'm happy for him. He's uh, he's worked his ass off and and has earned the right to be where he's at. And uh, you know, I I just hope they don't kill him like they've they've killed so many. So true. Now, no, with Dean, yeah. with team, when
0: you saw him, did you think off the bat like this guy, you know, WWE main
1: eventer off the bat, or did you say, hmm, I don't know no. what I'm gonna do with this guy? No, actually, you know, he was—I uh, forget what the express he said. Told somebody on an interview, uh, I was uh, less hated my guts or something. <laughs> I, <laughs> that was never the case. I never. He was a cocky uh, guy, but uh, you know, he the the thing. Uh, when he first started, I, I didn't see that he was going to be anything special or or bad for that matter, you know. Uh, but then I, I went. I started before they finally closed their doors. The uh, the, the the guys that I had sold the company to, uh, I was going over there once a week on Wednesday nights and, and working with the guys. And he was the one uh, advanced guy, I guess you'd say, uh, that was even though he was on a show on Tuesday night, was in there every Wednesday. Uh, lacing him up, trying to learn, trying to better himself, and that impressed me. And uh, then, you know, so then we started talking. He'd let me look at a, you know, so well, I'm going to send you this, uh, you know, bring this tape to you and let you let you watch that. And then we'd sit down and talk about it. And uh, one thing led to another. And then I found out that he uh, had uh, talked to Mike Bucci, uh who was, you know, working in developmental at the time and uh, he had been uh Mike had told him if he put on some size that he'd get him looked at and so i'm thinking uh okay then let's put some size on you because you know he he wasn't all that big at that time so i uh i you know i've done competitive bodybuilding and worked with bodybuilders so i'm i you know got a little background in nutrition and stuff so anyway i we put him together a diet and he followed it and put it up, put on some size Ed Bucci had left the company at that point in time, been gone. So, uh, that, but I called Dr. Tom, and I said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, Mike had told him this, and he's put the size on it. I think you guys need to take a look at him. So that's how it all came about. And I saw in the thing that Joey Mercury is the one that actually discovered him. I didn't know that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I like Joe. But I, I know WWE loves to change history what bothers me is I've lived it <laughs>
4: 55
1: <laughs> years of it. So, so they, uh, that's why I have a problem watching, I think, the, the network sometimes too when they reinvent the history of the business. And I think, well, I don't remember it quite like that, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, Dean's a good guy. He's a good guy, and, and I'm happy for him. Like I say, I you know, he's, he's worked his ass off, and he's earned the right to be there. You know, you just mentioned Joey Mercury, and I can't help
0: but think about his tag team partner in J&J Security, Jamie Noble, another one of your
1: notable students. Oh, man, I'll tell you, Jamie, you know, see when I see them guys go out being the Stooges or whatever the hell you want to call them, I'm thinking Jamie's a better worker than 50% of the guys on that roster, for Christ's sake. He is. I mean, he's an amazing... He's he's a smaller version of Chris Benoit. He really 100%. is. 100%.
0: Yeah,
1: he he was my energizer bunny. If somebody had to run a drill, t- if we had an odd number of training and somebody had to run a drill twice, he was never hesitant to step up and, and run that cardio uh, blow up drill as the boys call it, my stuff and uh, run it again. You know, I mean, but he he earned the right to be there, and it's a shame they don't. You know, we, uh, when I had a con, we had an amazing cruiserweight crew. Um, it's a shame that they didn't realize what they had, WWE didn't realize what they had, because they could have built a lot around it I mean, Shannon Moore I, Shannon the other day sent me to he said, you know, he said the year I spent with you, he said it was one of the best years I ever had in the business, I learned more in that year than I learned in the last, in, in the 20 I've been around altogether." And, uh but we had Shannon, we had uh, My Matt Stryker we had Shark Boy. we had Kaz Hayashi, we had Jamie we had Chad Collier Uh, I mean, we just had an amazing crew of of cruiserweights, and uh, they had no idea what to do with them. Or I maybe had an idea and just didn't want to do it, I don't know. It's funny, uh, you had so many of those great guys,
0: and a lot of them ended up going into WCW under the cruiserweight division,
1: you know, under that banner. Well, a lot of them came to us, actually from from w c w s yep that was uh in fact Shannon will tell you uh that he was really apprehensive about coming to Cincinnati because somebody told him the old man didn't like three count and i did- i mean it wasn't <laughs> a personal issue i just i'm not you know I'm not about spot monkeys i you know to me it's about telling a story and 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 again getting people emotionally involved but then once he and I hooked up, and I mean, to me, I, I just saw so much potential in Shannon. He was this generation's Ricky Morton, you know. Had they have used him properly, or Tommy Rich, you know, the 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 hands, the good-looking young baby face that could get amazing heat with the heels, you know, and make a strong comeback. But anyway, um, you know, he was. Uh